Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi everyone, Tara here with The Mom Manual. We have a super exciting guest today. Katie Mallory is the co-founder and CEO of SlumberPod. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Okay, this is a really exciting one for me because Katie is a fellow Shark Tank alum and Katie founded her company with her mom. How cool is that? Katie, your company is similar to ours, Dreamland Baby, in the sense of it's all about sleep. Can you tell us a little background on how you got into this? So they say that necessity is the mother of invention. And our story is absolutely an example of that. So the story I'm about to tell, I would imagine is relatable to a lot of your listeners. It was December of 2014. And my husband and I were sharing a room with our then one and a half year old at my mom's house for the Christmas holidays. The house was full because a lot of brothers and sisters who have significant others. My mom has uh, six kids and three stepkids. So we were in one room with her. She was in a crib right underneath the window that had blinds, but there was a floodlight right outside the street lamp, right outside the window and light was coming into the bedroom. So that child that slept so well at home in her dark and private room, her white noise machine on her black and not stay asleep. She kept waking up, seeing us across the room, not being able to go back to sleep, not understanding why it wasn't time to wake up. And we got such little sleep for two nights in a row, probably three hours of sleep, two nights in a row that we ended up going home a day early. We were miserable, sleep deprived, exhausted, thinking that we were going to have fun and make memories when that absolutely didn't end up being the case at all. So we swore off traveling for a while. And once we were ready to travel again, I looked online for some kind of solution that would allow her to have a dark and private sleeping space. If we had to share a room, couldn't find anything. So I bought two cheap camera tripods and a sheet to string between them. And I tied the sheet to the tripods with ponytail holders or twist ties And we had ourselves a little wall and certainly that travel portable wall kept our daughter from being able to see us, but it didn't keep her sleeping space dark. We still found ourselves having to tiptoe around in a hotel room or at a beach house Um, for naps. it, It wasn't dark either. So flash forward to the summer of 2016, I was on maternity leave with twins and my mom very generously offered to spend my maternity leave time with me and it was then that we got serious about inventing slumber pod. She said, there have to be a lot of other families that have the same challenges as you and Dan did. And through a bunch of focus groups and surveys, we understood that there absolutely were. And the idea for slumber pod was born. And this slumber pod is such a cool invention. And I think I'm like you as well. I mean, we traveled and kids slept great at home, but as soon as you are out of their normal you know, dark room with the sound machine and, and all the typical elements, it just, it doesn't work. And then it completely ruins a vacation. My first three kids are all about a year apart. So same thing. We were like, we can't travel for the next until people are four years old, but tell us a little bit more about exactly what slumber pod is like how that works. Cause for someone who hasn't seen it, they might not totally understand. 
Sure. Great question. So slumber pod is, it looks a lot like a tent. It is a canopy or cover that goes over a mini crib or play yard. It's a freestanding design. It's like a bottomless tent or very similar. It has aluminum poles that create a structure to it, sturdy aluminum poles. And the fabric is a breathable yet nearly blackout dark fabric. And you can just put this cover on top of the mini crib or play yard and your child has their own little dark and private place to sleep. It has a monitor pouch that's made out of clear vinyl. So you get a great view of your child while they're sleeping. It also has the place to put a fan. If you would like to have a little bit more air moving in there, of course, it passes all applicable juvenile product safety testing, even without the fan, it packs up to be 17 inches by five inches by six inches when not in use. So just a little bit longer than a shoebox, And that means it can fit and carry on luggage and our customers love it. We get feedback all the time. Like this product is a lifesaver, game changer, marriage saver. And we're so thrilled to help families be able to live life and not worry as much about sleep. So today, Katie is actually going to talk to us about starting a business, which I'm so excited about. As a founder myself, I do go on other podcasts, and this is something I talk about a lot, but I've never interviewed anyone about how they founded their business and really the tips and lessons that they took away for listeners. So any moms who have a side hustle and want to turn it into something more than that, or thinking about joining a startup and what that would look like, Katie is going to give us some tips and tricks today. Katie, do you want to jump into the first one? Sure. So this is kind of a overarching comment, maybe before we get into tips and tricks, but you know, there are so many people, resources, et cetera, et cetera, that can make your dreams come true. So if you have an idea and you're sitting there going, I really could and should do something about this, but I don't know where to start. You need to believe in yourself that you are onto something and you owe it to yourself to see if that idea can become a reality. So I'm excited to talk more about how that can be done today. Okay. What is your first takeaway? We really, during that initial couple months of developing SlumberPod, leaned on our network to get advice and tips and tricks for ourselves. And you probably know people, those of you who are listening, who have invented products or who have a friend that have. So don't be shy about asking your next door neighbor or your best friend, do you know anybody who's invented something or who started a company? And would you feel comfortable making an introduction for me? We talked to so many people. We tried to have at least two conversations a week, networking conversations a week with people where we asked them, how did you get started? What would you go back and change if you were to do it all differently? If you were to prioritize what order to do things in, what steps would you take first? And those conversations were so very valuable. By the way, I'm sure you did this too, Tara. We always made sure to send a thank you text or email afterwards, recapping a couple of the key things we learned just to keep those relationships strong. And then beyond our networks, it was amazing how many people were willing to speak with us about our journey. We cold called probably 10 different companies that had been on Shark Tank and asked them if they might be open to speaking with us about how they got started and their own business lessons. And I believe every single one of them made time to talk with us, um, founders of companies that had tens of millions of dollars. So you'd be surprised how often people are willing to help you out because they remember what it was like to be fresh starting out. Another big tip was joining an accelerator program. Mm -hmm. My mom at the time lived in Columbus, Georgia, and they had a program called Startup Columbus 
where it was a eight or 10 week program that met twice a week. And for each class or meetup, you had specific milestones that you had to complete. One of the first ones was filling out something called a lean business canvas, which is a one page plan about, you know, who would my target customers be? Where would we sell? What are some key marketing activities we could do? What would be some initial projections for how we would do in terms of sales? And that one page template is pretty approachable to fill out yet helped us really think through who we were, what we wanted to be. And we are really, really, really sure that we wouldn't have hit all the milestones as quickly as we had if we hadn't been in this accelerator program because we were held accountable to create a provisional patent, to come up with a company name, and then to trademark the company name, to work on a prototype, to work on those financial projections. So if you have access to an accelerator program in your community, that can be a great way to hold yourself accountable because we all know that when you make a to-do list, it can be easy to say, I'll take care of that thing tomorrow or this weekend and that date keep pushing out. So that was a great, a great way to get accountability. Yeah, no, that, that, that is an amazing thing. I, I mean, I live in the Bay area, uh, California, so there's startups all around and most of them are tech. And when I looked into joining something like this, I really did only find the tech ones, but I probably didn't do as much um, research as I could have. But what I joined was score. Did you guys ever use that? It's S. Oh yeah. We, we did work with score. Yeah. So that was really interesting because while, you know, the accountability piece, the first thing they had me do was make a business plan. So probably pretty similar to the template that you were talking about. You know, how would you bring in money? How would you forecast it? Things like that. But I love that idea of an accelerator program. And when you talked about cold calling Shark Tank companies, had you already been on the show at that point or was that prior? At that point we hadn't, and I'm not one who's real woo wooey necessarily, but we set our eyes really high in terms of what we could achieve. And even that summer, we thought to ourselves, if we could get on Shark Tank one day, that would really be incredible. And so we might as well talk to people who've done it and start manifesting that becoming a real thing. Not to mention a lot of those companies went on to be incredibly successful. So what did it hurt to go ahead and reach out to them? Yeah, no, absolutely. One thing that I had done, and I remember at the time, my husband is in finance and I showed it to him and he said, this is a really scary business plan because I had four investors. I wrote Shark Tank and I said that they would invest $150,000 into my business. And that was how I was going to get started. And he said, you know, how many people apply to be on that show? And I'm like, I'm going to be on this show. Like it was a fact. It was not even a question for me. And so we, we actually went on, we filmed just a few weeks after our website launched. Can you give us just a quick, you know, timeline? Timeline? Yeah. 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 So we created our company in the summer of 2016. Mm -hmm. It took about two years for us to get a type that we felt like hit all the value propositions that we wanted for the product and also wanted to get through really thorough safety testing because that's so incredibly important to us. So it was in July of 2018, about two years in the company that we launched on Kickstarter. And that was our first 500 units. And then we started selling on our own website and on Amazon shortly thereafter. And then we tried out for Shark Tank in February of 2018. 19. So just a couple months after launch, we taped in the summer of 2019 and then it aired in January of 2020. So about six months after we taped. Dreamline Baby had such a similar path where I thought of the idea the summer of 2018 
And then it took a full year for safety testing and we did clinical trials and, and things of that nature. Ours was probably a little bit easier to come out than yours. I think you had a lot more R&D with the, all the different components. Ours is textile, so it's pretty straightforward. And then we did a Kickstarter as well. So we did a Kickstarter in June of 2019 and then filmed for Shark Tank in September of 2019. And then we aired in 2020. So we actually aired in the same season. Yeah, isn't that wild? Yeah. That's so fun. Tara, when you think about that time, I'm sure that there were a lot of ups and downs as you took that year to get ready. I'm wondering if some of the things that you did to stay optimistic and patient are the same things that we did. Yeah. I don't actually know if I've shared kind of our story on this podcast, but we, we just really had a crazy time because my husband got laid off from his job that he had since college. So he was in his same role for 15 years. He got laid off the day before my son Luke was born. And then, oh my gosh. Yes. And so I was with a startup company and we didn't get our round of funding. And so the door (gasps) shut while I was on maternity leave. So all of a sudden we went from both having, you know, really great careers and making a good income to being suddenly unemployed. And then we had four kids, five and under one who was up relentlessly every, you know, hour throughout the night. So it was this really crazy time. And I do talk often about how there's never a right time to start a business with my husband being laid off. He knew he wouldn't be back at work for probably six months or a year because he kind of had a specific role. And so he knew I could find a job quicker. So he said, listen, like if nothing else, we're paying, you know, however much through Cobra for health insurance. So just get a job so you can have health insurance at least because we didn't even have that. And so I was really adamant and I said, listen, dream on baby changed our life literally in a week. Like Luke went from sleeping every or waking up every hour and a half to sleeping 12 hours through the night, the first night he wore it. And in a week, like I was back to myself. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's, so it's like your product, right? Where you're traveling and you're at a point where you don't even want to go on vacation while your child is what? Zero to one, zero to two. That's mm-hmm. a long time to mm-hmm. hold family. And then say you have two kids or three kids. Like that's like, yeah, you're missing out on a lot of life. Exactly. Exactly. So it's an absolute game changer for sleep. I think both of our products really fall in that category. And I just knew, I said, listen, there are literally hundreds of thousands of families who this could benefit. Why would we not bring this out? Like it was so life-changing for us. And so it was a rough time for me because my husband actually used to call the company Wasteland Baby. Like it was a Wasteland <gasps> I know, I know, but I will say that his adverse reaction to it really fueled me to say, like, I will not be wrong on this one. So I made a big bet and I think, you know, a lot of people say, oh, my husband was my biggest champion and my biggest cheerleader and I didn't have that. And so, but his criticism in a way really fueled and propelled me to say, this is going to be a success. And then I will tell you the second that we got the call from Shark Tank, And they said, does your husband want to be on it? He said, yes. And the tide changed. And then he became the cheerleader. But for a first good like year and a half of that, where we're getting the patent and we're getting the trademarks and we're getting the insurance and we're, you know, doing the clinical stuff and all the not fun behind the scenes stuff. I was really doing it out of just, I can do it. I can do it. I'm going to prove up around. Yeah. Prove yourself. Yeah. And my back was so against the wall that he basically said, listen, you can do this for a year, but if you can't like 
prove that you can turn a profit on this in a year, then you have like our, our family needs you to make money. And so I said, okay, like I'm, I'm going to do it. So yeah, that is what fueled me through that time. What about for you guys? Making lemons out of lemonade and having, um, having a lot of faith to bring a dream to reality. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So for us having, and I know you're a single co-founder, Tara, obviously have an amazing team, but you're the sole co-founder. I'm really grateful that it was me and my mom. Um, because you know, if one of us was having a bad day, it, we could lift the other person back up, you know, remind all the good things and, and not focus as much on the, the tough things, but also helping us get through that time was thinking through the mission of our company, which I, I know you did a lot of as well, that we were setting out to help families actually enjoy traveling, that this truly um, could be a life-changing product. And we just tried to envision all the feedback we would get once it became a reality. And that truly has paid off and and become a reality. There's nothing more motivational about, you know, getting that email from someone who's like you said, and we get them to change my life, save my life, save my marriage. I mean, that's it's, there's nothing more rewarding than that. When I think when I first started it, I thought, oh, you know, this is something that, you know, can help a lot of people. But I also thought dollar signs, right? Like, I'm like, oh, I'm going to founder and I'm going to make all this money. And you know, the reality of it is I did not take a paycheck for two years. So we'll start there. And very quickly, there's no amount of money that can push you forward if you don't have a true North Star, right? Which is, you know, helping families. It's getting those emails. It's hearing you've restored somebody's sleep. Because even if at the end of all this, it was like, oh, there's, you know, millions, millions of dollars, like it could never keep you moving forward through years of grind. And that's what it really is starting a company. And I mean, I'm still, I'm still in it now. I take a very, very modest salary because everything that we do with the business, it goes right back into the business. So quickly, anybody who's thinking, oh, it's a, I want to get rich quick. Like that is not what a small business, unfortunately, you know, long-term play. play. It's like you're, you're running a marathon. So you need to pace yourself, but always at the same time, be sprinting. That's how I think of it. That's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. And then also related to, you know, working hard and how to spend your time all of us as moms are thinking about how do we do it all? And, you know, we all know it's hard, it's impossible to do it all. Some weeks we're a better spouse than we are coworker versus friend versus daughter. And there certainly have been sacrifices. I think that they're worth it, but you do have to come to terms with the fact that in a given day, you're probably not going to have time to wash and blow dry your hair and go to Pilates for an hour and um, go to lunch with your friend and do all the business things that you need to do. And that can mean getting creative with your time. So I encourage people like we did to take a networking call while you're taking a walk for the day that you can't, you can do two things at once, of course. And there are even times that I was doing three things at once. We had calls with our investors and my mom was messaging me saying like, do you have the breast pump going in the background, Katie? And I messaged back, uh, I do, but I'm thinking they probably don't know what it is. So I'm not too worried about it, but you got to do what you got to do. That's amazing. I was actually just listening to this podcast and they were talking about time stacking and they were talking about this more on a, per- on a personal level. So for example, you meet a friend, so you, friendships are important. You want to meet up with somebody and then you go for a walk and that clicks off your box of getting your exercise and then you bring your dog. So you've done three activities in the same amount of those 30 minutes. And so time stacking. And I actually thought, 
you know, how does that relate to the business? And we don't, well, we don't want to be multitasking because we know that's not good for you. The time stacking, you know, I, I think is such a great concept. I need to think more about how I can apply time stacking to our business, but I love that concept in the name. It makes so much sense. What would be your second takeaway for the listeners? I also say it would, it's really important to think about the type of help you need and what you can do yourself, at least early on versus what you can outsource. And that's also an important lesson for, for your personal life too. So for us, we knew that with backgrounds in marketing, that we could probably write our own press releases, manage our own videos and photo shoots, but we didn't know how to effectively bookkeep or to do cash flow analysis. So we were able to outsource some of the things that, that we weren't naturals at, but save money doing the things that we that we could do ourselves. And of course there are tools like Canva that can help with design for people who aren't professional designers. And we, we lean on Canva quite a bit for posting social media or doing graphics for blogs. There are so many tools like that, that we're incredibly grateful for that don't cost much money and allow us to be more self-sufficient. I think that's such a great point to say, prioritize your time that kind of pulls in time stacking, but also knowing what your genius spots are. So for me, I, I am a finance major and running the business element of the company is definitely very easy for me, but doing anything creative is not. So when the first person that I hired was somebody to run my social media, cause it just, it was so difficult for me to literally post one post. It would take me like two hours to think about. And then I'd be like, is it right? Is it wrong? Did I do the hashtag? Does the lighting look good? And it's such a simple task for somebody who that's their genius spot. But for me, it wasn't. So I, I still, I just barely hired a fractional CFO, but I was functioning as the CFO and the chief of operations because I love spreadsheets and I love numbers and data. And that was just where kind of my mind, it it seemed very easy to do, but you know, I think one other thing that's really interesting is you'll hear a lot of people who will say, you know, they started a company based on a need. Right. But beyond that, they never thought it would be a company. Like I had this idea and immediately I thought this is going to be a company. It wasn't a slow burn over like years and years and years. I mean, we grew really fast because I saw the need. I knew there was an audience for it. And then I just figured, how can we get it to people? How can we build that brand awareness and let people know about it? Katie, when you guys first started, can you tell everybody maybe the first six months or a year, what your team looked like and kind of how you divvied up those different tasks and and what did you outsource or use for contractors right away? That's a great question. So early on, it was just me and my mom and we both had full-time jobs. I actually just left my full-time job to focus on SlumberPod only about five or six weeks ago. My mom left her full-time job close to three years ago, but there at the beginning, we were both working our full-time jobs. I was doing the creative marketing type elements. And my mom was doing a lot of the marketing technology because that's more her background and where she's passionate. And we definitely outsourced bookkeeping, accounting, a lot of legal support. So having people in your network that you can call on for things like trademarking your idea, working on a patent, that's all really critical as well. But when we had made a decision to hire employees, the first thing that we decided to outsource was customer service. Mm-hmm. We felt like if we created a repository of questions and answers and key topics for that person, that that would be a much better use of Uh, time to outsource versus us be handling those tasks ourselves. And that was a huge relief. Second was hiring a part-time marketing person to help with 
some of social media, affiliate and influencer marketing, which includes a lot of outreach to sleep consultants that I bet you work a lot with as well. And with time, we ended up graduating to having a full-time marketing person. The marketing has been hugely, hugely critical. We also did outsource some product design. There's a firm in Atlanta that we work with called Creature Product Development. And we outsourced pretty quickly warehousing and shipping and handling. There are definitely entrepreneurs who take that on themselves. They are doing their own shipping out of their homes, but that was something that we felt like would be better handled by somebody else. So we could focus on more strategic tasks. Yeah. And Katie, just to give listeners going back to that timeline, this all is kind of pretty much after you launched the website. That's almost what you're considering day zero. That's right. Um, after we launched Kickstarter, um, and our website, which we did pretty, pretty close to the same time. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Hers was pretty similar where I hired somebody part-time 20 hours a week, like right out the gate. She did customer service and she did the social media, the posting and the influencers on a very small scale. Cause you can only do so much 20 hours a week. And then my number was when we got to more than 10 orders per day, I would use a 3PL. So we moved to, and it's smart. Called- third-party logistics. And we moved to that very, very quickly. How, what, did you guys have a number on how many that, you know, how many you'd have to ship before you decided to outsource that? You know, we decided to go ahead and, and think big. And we, we decided to outsource from the very beginning in hopes that we would be hitting more than 10 orders a day pretty quickly. And we did. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's super smart. That I feel like is one area that, I mean, when I, even just doing 10 orders a day. I mean, that probably took me maybe an hour, hour and a half. And then the other thing is they would come through throughout the day. And at the beginning we shipped by USPS um, and my kids helped me a lot. So my kids are very young. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. They, they, they actually were really helpful, but it probably took a little longer than if I had you know some older, older people helping, but the post office would come to my house at about two o'clock. So I would always get on at one and be like, okay, what, what are the ones I can fill? And then throughout the day, I'd get a ping and I'd see a new one. I'm like, oh, I'll just print it off and grab it. So I wasn't efficient in the way I did it, but now we have a warehouse that does it and they have all the packaging that's needed and the setup and the printing materials. And even I had like a dymo that could only print 10 at a time, I think, or 20 at a time. So it was like, if I got more than that, then I had to print them individually and that, that would be like when people ask me, what's one of the first things I think actually outsourcing immediately is probably a great idea. That's definitely one. The customer service is definitely one. And I actually did immediately have a, a bookkeeper as well, because while I'm proficient right. in finance, that's just an area that you, you know, you're going to end up paying a lot in penalties and fees. If you are not submitting just things, even as an LLC, you need to pay $800 per year, even if you've sold nothing to in the state of California, at least to have an LLC. And that's something that I wouldn't have known. And then you still have to pay it, but you get penalized too. So somebody who knows kind of the legal and financial part and just how to be a compliant business, that's a huge thing as well. That, I mean, it's not even really worth your time to learn it. And then something like a trademark and a patent. I mean, people go to school for seven years to be lawyers for that. I would never tell anybody to try to learn that because you're just not gonna, it's not gonna get through. But this is, that's really interesting. So our, our businesses are so similar, how we started. And they how- really are. So I'm wondering if we're onto something, like, is this, is this the successful path? 
Yeah. It's a, it's a good, it's a good question. And it's been fun to talk with fellow entrepreneurs like you about your paths. And certainly there are things that are similar, but you've already given me in, you know, some of the conversations leading into the call, some great ideas for things that we can apply at SlumberPod. Yeah, no, I love that. Okay. Katie, what is your third takeaway for everyone listening? My third takeaway, and it kind of relates a little bit to the accelerator program and, and hitting milestones quickly as a result of that accountability, but setting up an accountability support system for yourself is really important. So if you do an accelerator program, great. But after that, how are you making sure that you're staying in touch with others on best practices or that you're getting encouragement on uh, one of your bad days? And one of the ways we've done that is by starting a or we were one of the groups that founded a um, networking group for other juvenile products companies. And in that group, we're able to ask questions, share best practices, vent occasionally, and that provides some really great accountability. So I would highly recommend having like a, a best friend or a close friend who's in business with you that you have regular meetings with or joining a group, whether it's a group you create or a local business group for business people to help hold you accountable. And this is, you created like a Facebook group, right? Yes. Uh, we were one of the founding, founding members of that, of the four parents by parents, Facebook group. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I think when, when people listening here create a group, they're like, well, what does that mean? Where, how, I mean, literally just a Facebook group. And then you see other businesses that are doing well and you say, Hey, will you join my Facebook group? So Katie and I actually are both friends with several people in the industry that overlap with us. What we did was actually started a WhatsApp group. So there's five or six of us that are in that WhatsApp group. And it was the same thing where I was on Instagram And I saw, okay, this business looks like they're doing something cool. They're doing something different than me. Like, how did they get, you know, I would see them with an influencer. Like, how did they get that influencer to post for them? I don't know. So I'm like, I'll reach out to them and ask. And I think it's another thing too, to not be afraid to be a a CEO and a founder and start your own business and leave a job. You have to be bold and fearless. And so to ask somebody, basically, you're like, Hey, will you be my friend? And I've literally had people that were like, no, <laughs> like I'm not interested. I'm like, okay, you know, you're lost, whatever. So you message people and you get on a call and maybe they're interested and maybe they're not, but I have a WhatsApp group that there's, you know, a couple of us in there. We're all moms. We all have baby products. And it's the same thing. It's like, we can vent on a customer service issue or the shipping issues that is going to make everyone's head blow off if they don't get lower. But um, yeah, I mean, shipping has, you know, times have gone 10 times longer than they used to. And the cost is 10 times. And it's just small things that I tell my husband about and he's like, I don't get it. So to have somebody who's walking through the same thing you are, and that's, if you're a mom on this call and you're thinking not a baby product, but a beverage product or a fitness product or, you know, whatever it is, like find your group and your people who are walking in the same scenario you are. And one other thing I will say, when I first started, I looked at companies that had launched, you know, five or 10 years ahead of me. And I'm reaching out to those guys and they are absolutely not interested in, in talking with me um, on an ongoing basis. And the reason is at the time I was like, oh man, you know, like they don't, we're not as big as them. And here's why. But the thing is, When you first start in your first six months or first year or first three years or five years, it's, you're going to be having completely different challenges, right? And if that's going to challenges of running the organization from, you know, now you're managing several people. And so there's a people challenge, or if it's, 
you're still at the beginning and you're trying to figure out like, should I go with, you know, this vendor for SMS or should I go with this one? You know, so you want to really be with people who are around your same revenue, who have launched around the same time as you and Mm -hmm. grow together. Cause that's when you can really share those tips and tricks that on the the granular things that are going to be helpful. I totally agree. I totally agree. I love how even when things were chaotic and we are dealing with our unique challenges that both of our companies set our sights on big things like Shark Tank, even though the odds were low of getting to make it, we still said to ourselves, you know what, we're going to do this. And we both made it happen. I know. And I actually read after that it's one in 42,000 applications get on the show, which is insane. I did not know that at the time. I just thought... Well, when I had launched my product, I had so many people that said to me, you need to go on Shark Tank. And so it just, to me, it was like my truth. But Katie, you talked about setting a big goal and, and reaching for it. And just, I'm a big believer. I know it's a little woo woo, but like what you put out into the universe will be returned to you. So if you say like, I believed in my heart so much that I actually put on my business plan that I was like, oh yeah, this is where I'm going to fundraise. Like, I'm not going to go to venture capitalists. Like I'm going to go to the VCs on Shark Tank. Like that's where I'm going to get my money. It was on there. It was written in paper. It was within my first year. So I'm like, I I have to do it or I won't be able to launch. So it just, it was like a fact to me that I'd be on the show. Do you have other examples of like big numbers you've chosen or big accounts that you know, you thought I could never get into. And you're just like, I know I will be there. And and it happened. Yes. Our first year in business, our first full calendar year, we did $2 million in sales. And we decided at the beginning of the next year that we were going to double that. So we were going to do 4 million in 2020. And we did it. I, I think that setting that goal and having it sticky noted or, you know, bulletin boarded to the wall right in front of you is a big part of keeping that motivation. Of course, you have to have the strategies to back it up as well, but putting that out into the universe, we feel like really did um, help make it happen. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. And as I am looking past Katie at my wall and there's my number for this year is on there. And I look at it every single day and it is in big pink letters. And so that is what every day we are, we are working toward but I love those big dreams and big goals. And 2 million in your first year is insane because there's another stat and I'm, I think I might get this one wrong, but I think it's only 3% of women owned businesses ever cross the million dollar mark in a single calendar. Yes. Year. Yes. That is, I've, I know that one. Well, I'm trying to think of the source, but I was in a female entrepreneurship program with a woman who um, mentioned that statistic really regularly. It's amazing. It's incredible. So basically you were like 1 million for me, 1 million for my mom. That's our 2 million done. We're going to cross it. I love that. Katie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We have a really quick fire round. Are you ready to jump in? I love it. Sure. So what are you currently binging on TV? I feel so embarrassed, but, um, I burned through love is blind season two. I'm watch a little bit of reality TV, but I'm embarrassed how much I couldn't quit the show. i found myself during little breaks wanting to keep watching it. So there you have it. That's amazing. Okay. What is the most recent book you've read? Most recent book I've read is I just started it is traction, which is a business book. Amazing. I'm gonna have to check that one out. What about your go-to productivity app? Go-to productivity app. This is a high level answer, but we use the Google suite, the G suite for a lot of things. And I'm really loving the task feature that integrates with your calendar and with your email. Ooh, 
okay. We use Asana, but I'll have to check that one. Oh yeah. Asana's good stuff too. And what's your go-to de-stressor? My go-to de-stressor probably going to get a foot massage. I don't know if you or your listeners have done that, but there are several great places near me. If you get a one hour foot massage for $30, it's life-changing. Okay. I used to do that all the time in, I used to live in San Jose, California. And then where I live, there's none around here. So I'm very jealous. That's amazing. So if you're in the Bay area and you're listening and you're thinking about starting a business, it sounds like there's an opportunity right there. I mean, there, look at this. We are just starting businesses, Katie. I love it. All right, Katie, where can everyone find you and SlumberPod? Yes. So SlumberPod is available on our website, which is slumberpod.com as well as Amazon. And we do have relationships with several retailers, though. I recommend that your listeners go to slumberpod.com where we have set up the discount code mom manual that will get you $20 off if you spend more than $145 in purchases. So that'll get you $25 off a slumber pod or a slumber pod combo with a fan or slumber pod and home base combo together. And would love for your followers to take advantage of that. Absolutely. Thank you for that generous offer. And we will put that in the show notes as well. Katie, thanks so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Bye.